no one ever gets sick of hearing that God truly has a better future for them. Nobody ever gets sick of hearing that our God still does the impossible. Nobody ever gets sick of hearing that our greatest days can still be ahead. And Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's conversation with pastor, leader, author, and speaker, Josh Gagnon. Josh has a brand new book released this week called It's Not Over, and it's all about what God does after our defeats, Uh, how to pray those bold prayers. I think Josh is one of the sharpest leaders that I've ever had the privilege of speaking with, and he is an incredible storyteller, and he weaves his story and his leadership traits into a conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. So do me a favor, uh, follow Josh on all the social media channels and get connected with his new book, It's Not Over, now available on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, Audible, anywhere you can buy a book, it'll be there. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, As always, we love to connect with you, so feel free to hook me up or look me up on Instagram at TWMilt. On Facebook, the Reclamation Podcast with Tony Miltenberger, or on my website, www.twmilt.com. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Josh Gagnon. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's featured conversation with Joshua Gagnon. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Tony. Thank you so much for having me and hanging out with me, making a little bit of time for me. Hey, listen, I'm humbled to have you on, and I'm so excited to talk about. Uh, a new project that you are launching this February, a book, your first book written called It's Not Over. It is not over. Yeah, we're super excited about it, pumped about the opportunity. A long, long process, a lot of hard work. And as it gets, uh, as it gets closer, I'm super excited. So um, I follow you on Instagram, which we talked about beforehand. Was, <laughs> was one of the, uh, it's a new platform for you. But one of the things I saw on there is that you signed a two book deal. I did. Yep. Are you regretting that after the first book? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, no, I'm actually, it's funny you ask, uh, one of my closest friends asked that yesterday. I talked about how when I signed that first book, you know, when I was writing the first book, I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't know how to even do this. I, I think I need to quit right now and, and just tell them I'm sorry, I'm a failure, never mind. And, uh, and I was laughing. I said, this second time around, I have a little bit more knowledge on how to write a book. And so I am excited about the second book. Number one, because if the first one just completely fails, it's like a mulligan. At least you know you get another golf ball to hit, right? So it's like, it's like you know, do two books because like at least you get at least you get a second try. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and I, listen, I've I've looked in depth over. It's not over, and I can tell you that there's no way it's going to fail. It's a it's a remarkable book, and I love the way that you kind of intertwine scripture and your life stories into some really solid teaching. But let me ask you this. What, why is this the right time to write a, a book on, on big dreams and bold prayers? Yeah, I think, I think um, my, my publishers probably said it best when we were having a conversation about this idea. It's, it's, no one ever gets sick of hearing that God truly has a better future for them. Nobody ever gets sick of hearing that our God still does the impossible Nobody ever gets sick of hearing that our greatest days can still be ahead. And, and so for me, that's, that's been my heartbeat, man. If I had one message to preach, 
it would be, listen, your greatest days on earth can still be ahead of you. They don't have to be in your past. And so it's just how I'm wired. It's how I think. It's how as a pastor, I'm able to get up on Monday mornings some days and think to myself, like, right. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then I click into, well, wait a minute. If there's breath in my lungs, God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And so I just think nobody ever gets sick of that, Tony. Nobody ever gets sick of hearing, like, listen, God can still use your life for greater things than you ever thought was possible. And that fires me up. And I, I, it's not just a, a hype thing for me. It's truly, genuinely the core of my being. I truly believe that no matter who you are, that God can still do greater things in your future than you've ever seen in your past. And so that's why I think this book, this theme never gets old. Um, and that's why I'm completely pumped about it. I, I love it. And it's, it's interesting um, because to write this book now, because you're in an interesting place in your career, right? And as a pastor, and I've, I've seen your work, Next Level Church is all over and God is doing some incredible things through Next Level Church. Uh, yeah. You started this church an, a number of years ago with next to nothing. And now uh, I think I read somewhere recently worshiped 9,000 at an Easter celebration. Um, what, what does this look like for you in this season of your life that, that the, the biggest dreams are still ahead of you? Cause by all accounts, like you're there, dude. Mm. Yeah, we, I think, I think the fun thing about dreams, especially when it comes to God-sized dreams, one of the fun things is, is I don't think God gives you the entire dream all at once mm. because he would, it would almost cause you to become discouraged in the journey towards it. But God reveals more and more and more of that dream as you continue to stay faithful with inside of it. And so the dream when we first started it wasn't what it is today. The dream when we first started was to, to reach people for Jesus, talking of Next Level Church, and to, to create an atmosphere and an experience where people who never walked into a church and had no idea who God was and felt rejected or hurt by the church could come in and experience the love of Jesus in a relevant and life-giving way. And that was the dream, right? And I can remember saying to my wife, Jennifer, if we ever had a hundred people walk into this, how amazing. And I used to tell her, I don't even know like what they're going to look like. How crazy is it, Jen? Like there's going to be a hundred people that we've never even met that come here. And we'd start like, and I can remember thinking that was like astronomical. And then, and then God graced us with a hundred people and then a few hundred people and, and by God's grace, more salvations. And, and so I would say that, that the dream hasn't changed, but God has revealed more and more and more of it to me. And so the best days are ahead. And it's not because uh, we ever arrive. It's because God continues to teach us that his dreams are revealed to us through stages often, not just in one, one moment or one sentence. One of the things that you said in that uh, answer was this idea about staying faithful to the dream. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people out there who felt like God has called them to something or maybe they've recently come to Christ or they've been following Christ for a long time. How, how have you stayed faithful and, and what does it look like for the average Christian to stay faithful to God in the midst of their dreams? Yeah, it hasn't been easy. I've wanted to quit several times, not just with Next Level Church, not just as, as a pastor, but and chasing different dreams. I've wanted to quit. Um, I remember when I, when I was um, just, just praying and feeling like God was calling me into full-time ministry to be a preacher, which was so far from anything I ever thought. You know, I was doing drywall at the time, and, and all of a sudden I'm feeling like, 
this, this deep calling. I would go home and I would watch Christian television, Tony, and I would watch people preach and I would go in my car and I would start preaching. And, uh, and I had never, never spoken public before. Oh, that's all, wait, who, who did you watch on Christian television? That's, oh, I don't want to, no, you I don't want to tell it now. <laughs> I don't want to admit that. <laughs> and I would, I would start crying in the car while I'm preaching. And finally, Tony, I'm going to tell the first person I'm going to tell my pastor. And I talk about this in the book and here I am. I built courage. We went golfing together. We're on the 10th hole. And I'm finally going to share with him that I feel like God may be calling me to be a preacher. And on the 10th hole, I tell him and he hits his ball into the woods and he looks back at me and says, uh, I don't, I don't think that's what God has for you. I think, I think you should stay in drywall. And that's the first time, that's the first time I share this, this God sized dream with somebody about being a pastor. It's shot down like a clay pigeon. Right. And and that's discouraging. Yeah. That feels defeating. And even when it comes to this book, everybody sees, you know, oh, someone's published a book and it's exciting. And it is. But what nobody knows is, is, is two years ago, maybe, yeah, about two years ago, I was uh, going, I had an agent reach out to me and said, you need to write a book. You know, God's doing great things and, and, and let's go write a book. And, and I had felt, I felt like that was something that God had in my heart. And so he went out and he shopped me as an agent to all these different publishers and nobody wanted me. Even one publisher said they didn't think I was called, they didn't think I was a gifted writer. And, um, and that dream crashed. I remember he wrote back to me, all the leads have dried up hmm. and, and I never heard from him again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then I had a, the, the agent I work with now, Alex, he, he wrote to me about a year later to the day and said, Hey, you know, a friend of ours, mutual friend, Brad Lominick, has, uh, has, has wants us to connect. And uh, I never got back to him because I was so afraid of that rejection again that I told myself I'd never write another book. I even got upset at God. You know, I can remember thinking, why would you put that passion in me and seemingly open doors just to shut them? Hmm. And it took me a year to get back to Alex wow. and for me to, for me to be willing to chase that dream again. And so I would say to those that are listening that, that feel discouraged, that feel defeated, that, that life is more like the inner, inner, the inside of a Lego box than the outside of a Lego box. You know, when we go into a Lego store, we see the outside of the box and it's all put together. It looks perfect. And we say, I want that one right there. And so we go, we cash out and we walk out with that, that, that outside of the Lego box experience. And then we get home, we open it up and all of the pieces tumble out onto the kitchen table. And we're reminded that now we've got to be faithful with 3,000 pieces, or in the book, 4,124 pieces, we have to be faithful with those pieces now. And I don't know about you, Tony, but that's tough for me at times. I, I, I like the outside of a Lego box. I like the finished product. I don't always like all the pieces. Well, I, I, so that is actually, uh, I have it in my notes. That's chapter five in your book. It's one of my favorite chapters. You talk about being with your, your sons, Malachi and Nehemiah, and you talk about that moment where you, you doubted their ability to put it together. Um, yeah. and, and it, it resonates with me so much because I'm, I'm not really a detailed person. So when you talk about big prayers and the outside of the Lego box, how important are the details for a, a, a guy like me, who's not, I, I mean, I, I could not be the worst person when it comes to details. Yeah. And yeah. so, so I actually, I hate Legos. My wife loves them, but <laughs> I hate, I, I have no desire to put together any Legos. How important are the details in these God sized dreams? Yeah. I think faithfulness 
in in staying faithful step by step is is extremely important. I think the reality is 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 far too many of us are looking towards where we want to go, but we're forgetting the only way to get there is to be faithful in the details that God has put before us today. You know, uh, my entire my entire life, I have to remind myself of that because I'm similar. You know, for me, it's like screw the details. Let's right. just get let's just get to the dream. Let's just get to the picture. Let's just let's just go celebrate the box. And my staff has to say, "Listen, let's pump the brakes here. Like we have to we have to we have to be faithful. We have to move step by step. Like you can't put the roof together of a home until you build the walls, and you can't build the walls until you build the foundation. And far too many people give up on their God sized dream because they're so eager to put the roof on, but yet God's like, wait a minute. Let's be faithful with the foundation. Let's be faithful with the walls. Let's then get to the roof. And, and far too many people have given up on dreams way before they should have simply because they weren't willing to be faithful in the details that God called them to, to, to be faithful in first. I think that's a, a great point. Um, would, you, would you define God-sized dream for me as opposed to like a, a, you know, a regular just you know, New Year's resolution? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. New year's resolutions, huh? Wow. <laughs> How many of those have you ever actually fulfilled? <laughs> uh, I probably two. Okay. Well, you're, probably you're, two. you're ahead of me. You're winning. Um, I, uh, I would say for me, a God sized dream is, is a dream in your heart that is far too big for you to accomplish in your own strength. And it's also a dream in your heart that can't get, that, that is not easily a flame that's not easily put out, right? Mm. So a God-sized dream is something that, that will keep you up at night, something that even when you try to reject it, even when you try to move on from it, it continues to agonize you from, from, from your inner core. It, it's like the book for me. It was a God-sized dream. And the reason I knew it was because even though I was trying to pretend that I didn't want to write a book, even though I was telling myself, I've already been told I'm not a gifted writer, even though I was telling myself, I'm never getting back to another agent ever again, inside of my very being, I could hear whispers, I could feel the reality that, listen, this is bigger than just your opinion, and you're not going to be able to snuff this flame out. And so it's this, it's a flame with inside of us, I believe that, that and, and here's the thing, Tony, it doesn't have to be an exterior, an external thing. A God-sized dream could simply be overcoming insecurity. Hmm. A God-sized dream could be simply overcoming fear. A God-sized dream could, could be restoring your marriage through words of life. You know, for me, the big thing for me is, is one of my God-sized dreams is overcoming insecurity. I so often live in the comparison of everybody else that I forget who God's called me to be. And so over the last 10 years, my biggest struggle has been, Josh, find your identity and who you are. Don't compare yourself to everybody else on social media. Don't compare yourself to everyone else's highlight reel. Find out who you are in Christ and live in that security. That's a God-sized dream for me. And every time I step away from that identity, I can feel in my spirit that God wants to pull me back to that same place. And so for me, these God-sized dreams, whether it's starting a business, whether it's starting a church, or whether it's overcoming insecurity, overcoming fear, restoring a relationship, I believe their, their, their God-sized dreams are surrounded by whispers from heaven that continue confirming that it's time to continue to chase it. How, how do you hear the voice of God and those whispers from heaven? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, right? I, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Um, I, I have some people that I trust that say they have, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Um, 
God speaks to me um, all throughout the day, uh, whether it's through a moment in nature. For instance, this is uh, this just came to mind. Yesterday I was running, and there's these two huge, huge birds. Uh, I forget the sand cranes. Sand cranes. Okay, these huge birds, right? And I'm running past them, and I look over, and they're playing. I'm not kidding. I've never. They were playing. They were throwing a stick in the air, and they were like trying to catch it together. And you could just tell they were just playing. And all of a sudden, I felt once a whisper from heaven talk about how even if if if, if birds have the joy of the Lord, wow. how much more should I have the joy of the Lord? And then I was reminded by my dog. There's times my dog literally has joy. It's all excited. And I think to myself, if my dog, even animals, God's creation declares his joy, how much more should I? And so I think God's, size, God's whispers to me come through moments like that or through music or through prayer. You know, the older I get, the less time in prayer I spend talking and the more time in prayer I spend listening. And that's been a big change for me because I used to think prayer was me talking. Mm. Now I remember that prayer is as much me communicating as it is listening to God to, for his communication. How, how do you uh, create a posture that promotes listening in prayer? I, I think that there are a lot of people out there who have got the old, uh, I grew up in the church mentality where, you know, I'm going to, I grew up Catholic. So like, you know, I'm going to say five Hail Marys and a couple Our Fathers and then be out the door or whatever. How, how did you, how do you practically create space in and what, by all accounts, looks like a very busy life to mm. listen to God. Yeah, I used to think those same things. You know, I used to feel like such a failure when it came to prayer because, you, you know, Toto, you'll hear some pastors, right? Because we're in that world, so we, right. we hear them talk. And they're like, you know, when I spend my two and a half hours in the morning in my quiet prayer, eating Cheerios, you know, and doing push-ups at the same time, you know, you're like, <laughs> you look in the mirror and you're like, I, I'm not, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. Right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. I used to feel so insecure until I, until I looked at who I was and how God wired me. Tony, I have never spent two and a half hours in my life doing anything at once. Amen. I am too, I am too, I have to do, I would lose all my mind in that moment. So for me, I wake up and I thank Jesus for that day. I read scripture. I don't read a lot of scripture because I actually don't really enjoy reading a chapter of the Bible at a time Mm. Um, or a book of the Bible. I'm sorry. At a time. What I'll do is I'll read a chapter. I'll read half the chapter. I used to try to get through more of the Bible. So I felt closer to God. Now I try to let the Bible get more into me and that helps me feel closer to God. And if that means one verse that day that I have to dwell on and think through, then I'm going to do it. And so for me, prayer has become less about a, a, a block of time and it's become consistent time throughout the day. And so I'll spend 10 minutes here, one minute here, uh, 30 seconds here. It's throughout the entire day that I'm trying to communicate with God rather than this block of time in the morning where I get my, where I, it, that's just my personality. Sure. Other people may be different. No, I love that. I love that. And, and uh, to your credit, uh, you have been incredibly uh, transparent about how you follow Jesus. That episode that you did with Kerry Newhoff on his podcast, episode 61, where you talk about being a, uh, an insecure leader, uh, I thought you were talking about my life. It was so good. <laughs> and and you, you talk about your wife, Jennifer, in there. And as I was uh, scrolling through the, the book and, and looking, making some notes, I, I noticed the dedication page. 
And mm. in the dedication page, you write uh, that Jennifer is living proof that dreams come true. And she's the purest Jesus follower that you've ever met. Mm. Tell me about, tell me about both of those statements and how they played out in your life. Yeah, she, uh, she well, let me talk about the purest uh, example of Jesus. This, my wife, so I struggle with jealousy. I struggle with my tongue. Like even this morning, I wanted to say something bad about somebody. And thank God, thank, thank God that this, morning, this morning's devotional was about speaking life because I would have said so. I would have been like just nasty to somebody. Oh, that's so not good. Not to them, not to them, but right. to my wife about somebody. And I didn't say anything. And my wife, though, I have never, listen, I have never heard her talk bad about somebody in 14 years. Never. Wow. Never heard her talk bad about anybody in 14 years. And, and I've probably seen her upset a handful of times. Now, it's not because she's perfect. It's just she has this ability to just uh, model Jesus. Uh, she, she's, 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 I don't think she ever gets jealous. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I, I don't know how it's possible to not get jealous. And, um, and so when I look at her, I just see somebody who just models Jesus. Yeah, she, she's kind. She's giving. She's generous. She's not jealous. She's humble. Um, she, she is <laughs> so much. She is so much better a follower of Jesus and an example of Jesus than I am that, that uh, she should probably be the one on the podcast. But um, someone once said that people learn more through your weaknesses than they do your strengths. So don't be afraid to share them. That's yeah. Amen. And, and Jennifer is a dream come true. Uh, you know, she, uh, she continued to tell me all throughout the writing process that, that this book is going to change lives. She'd come in and bring me lunch and, 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 and give me a drink and say, you're one of the best writers in the world. And we both know I'm not, we both know I, I can barely, I can't spell like if it, <laughs> God knew I needed to be born in this day and age. <laughs> Because if I ever turned in my transcript before spell check, the uh, the publisher would have put me put me in a, a school classroom. So she was just uh, so many words of life. And so how, how did you guys meet? Um, t- t- I love to hear a good love story. H- how did you guys find your way to happily ever after? Yeah, we. She was fourteen, and I was uh, seventeen. And she came to the church. She was dating the pastor's son at the time. Mm. I wasn't the pastor's son. Right. Um, she was dating the pastor's son. She had grown up in her car, like living, she was living in, her, in a car at that time. She came from a very, 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 very rough childhood, to say the least. And um, she was moving from home to home, living in a car at times. And uh, the pastor took her in at the time. And um, she was kind of dating his son and showed up to church and, you know, I, I said, wow, I don't see a ring. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, a few years later, we started dating. And, um, and it's funny because when you look at her life, she came from just brokenness. Yeah. Now, I came from a little bit of a different life. I came from a conservative Christian family. And um, I can see scars built into both of those realities. Um, and together, I think we brought healing to one another. And... Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's not always, it hasn't been perfect, but it's always been worth it. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. How, um, how does, does bold prayers and, and this idea of God dreams help us overcome those scars that you talked about? 
Yeah. One of the, one of the stories that I talk about in the book, in the, in the prayer chapter, which I think I'd have to say is my favorite chapter. I think, I, I don't know, it's like kids. It's like picking one of, your, one of your nine, your favorite kids. And so it's tough when you look at chapters that you write, but prayer chapter would have to be up there. Um, I was sitting at a table with um, Daniel and Catherine. Daniel and Catherine are on staff at Next Level Church. They were our first staff family, uh, raised their support to come be on, on this team. And um, I think they just wanted to get out of where they were, but I'm thankful that they did. And, uh, and um, I was sitting with her and their child was born um, with many, many, many um, sicknesses, um, health issues, um, several, several surgeries. The first, first year of their life, I believe the first year of Josiah is the child's name. They had 36 surgeries mm. and um, spent more nights in the hospital than at home. And it was just this, this just a very, very difficult, very, very difficult pregnancy. And I was the first one at the hospital to see Josiah, and we prayed and cried because he had uh, so many different sicknesses they weren't sure he was going to live. And um, Daniel and, and Catherine went through that storm. And Josiah today um, still has um, several things that he deals with that he'll deal with the rest of his life. And, of course, I won't get into those. And... About a year ago, I was sitting with Daniel and Catherine. We were at dinner, and I looked across the table at Catherine, and, and she was celebrating her 40th birthday. And I, uh, I looked across the table at her, and I said, tell me what's been the most uh, difficult part of the last decade. And, of course, I wasn't meeting her son, who was 10 at the time. I, I, that goes without saying. And she looks back at me with tears in her eyes. She says, praying. Mm-hmm. And it caught me off guard. I looked back at her. I said, Really? I said, could you elaborate? And tears start coming down her cheek. And she says, Pastor, I was always such a bold prayer. Like when I would pray, I really believed God would answer me. And I loved my time in prayer with God. And then when Josiah was in my belly and I was told that he only had one kidney and that one wasn't even working well, she said, I prayed and prayed and prayed and believed God would heal my son. I believed God would heal my baby. And then my baby was born and he was sick. And for years, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I believed God would heal my baby. She said, Pastor, today I have a hard time praying because, because I'm not sure that God will do anything on my behalf. Mm. And, and I realized in that moment that our prayer life and our dream life, they intersect. They're not different from one another. You know, the moment we start believing or stop dreaming that God will and can do something on our behalf, our prayer life becomes small. You know, the only way you ever pray bold prayers is because you have big dreams. You have God-sized dreams in your heart. I mean, you know, I can see it in my own life. There are moments where I'm praying for something and praying for something or dreaming for something and it doesn't come true. It doesn't happen. And I can always tell how much I believe that dream will become a reality based on how bold my prayers are. And so I always tell pastors and leaders, Look at your prayer life, and I'll tell you if the dream God put in your heart when you started that church or took over that church, I'll tell you if it's a reality based on your prayers that you're praying today. Because I bet when you first stepped in, you believed huge things and prayed big prayers. Now, through the course of life, as you're putting together the Lego set, now you've kind of scaled those prayers down to safe prayers. Um, And I, I think Catherine teaches us that, that there's a time in life where we have dreams. We believe that God can do the impossible whether that's restore our marriage, whether that's help us start a business, whether that's help us lead within a church, you name it. And then over the course of life, as we're putting together the Lego set, we don't see the outside of the box yet. 
that prayer life starts becoming damaged to the point where we start praying safe, comfortable prayers rather than big, bold prayers. And so for me, when it comes down to big, bold prayers, I think Catherine teaches us that the only way to have big, bold prayers is to continue to dream that our God can do big things. How do, how do you practice? I mean, I guess it's kind of a spiritual discipline, the idea of continuing to dream. How, how do you keep that discipline fresh in your life? Uh, and, and you have two boys. How do you, how do you keep it fresh in, in their lives? As, as a parent, like I was thinking, man, I, I really want my kids to pray big, bold prayers. How do, you, how do you develop that continue to dreaming, continue to pray big, bold prayers kind of mentality? Yeah, I think living in living, of course, in the shadows of yesterday will truly rob us of living in the bold prayers today. Because the truth is, is we've all been scarred. Mm. We've all been scarred. I love when my kids pray, right? They'll start praying at the dinner table and they'll pray like, God, you know, I pray that, you know, uh, you name it. And it's this huge thing. And they're so convinced that God's going to do it. And sometimes I'm even thinking in myself, and I have to admit this, I'm even thinking, well, it's so cute that they still pray that way. You know, it's still so cute that they still believe God with those type of ambitions and those type of dreams. And, you know, I truly, in order to, I truly have to examine my prayer life. And my prayer life shows me my dream life. And that's honestly how I live today is, is when I start praying for something, I have to see the size of that prayer and look at the level of faith within that prayer and see if it's modeling a dream life that is still chasing after God-sized dreams. Because the reality is, is, is once again, my prayers are going to show me the level of belief I have in the dreams that God's placed in my heart. Do you use any tools for that examination process? I mean, are you, a, are you the kind of guy that writes that kind of stuff down, or is it more just like uh, internal kind of uh, thought process? It's more internal to me. It's, it's just a check and balance within my soul where it's like, you know, I'm praying for, for instance, um, we did a, and this is just an example. People have to put it into their own everyday life. We're praying for our best gift offering at next level this past Christmas. And here I am praying for a certain number. And I realized that number was so safe. It was so safe. And so in my heart, in my, in my spirit, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The dream for that number must be way bigger than that in order for it to force me to a level of faith that I wouldn't have outside that size of a dream. And so in that moment, I, I check my heart and then I, I go back to the drawing table and I say, listen, I don't want to be ridiculous, but at the end of the day, I want to live with faith. So what dream can I create? What dream size goal can I put in place that will force my prayer life to match my dream life? It'll force my faith to increase. We have to have dreams in our heart that force our faith to react to them. You know, so when we look at our marriage, looking at a marriage and saying, I want it fully restored and perfectly sound in the next six weeks. Well, that might not be a reality, but praying for something bigger than you think or dreaming for something bigger than you think could be a reality in six weeks is a level of faith and something I think we're required to do as followers of Jesus. I think, I think far too many of us have been scarred by yesterday's and our ambitions and our goals for tomorrow are just simply living examples of the disappointments we've had yesterday. And I think as followers of Christ, we have to overcome the shadows of our scars and we need to still believe, listen, I'm not going to let yesterday define my level of faith as hard as it is. And as natural as it feels to allow that to happen, we have to be disciplined and say, no, 
I'm going to continue to believe that even though I haven't seen it yet, I have dreams in my heart and God will be faithful to, to, to complete them. What would you say to the person who's stepped out in faith and prayed those big prayers, but yet feels like God is continually, I mean, kind of like what you, you mentioned with Catherine, right? Like it, yeah. it's, I mean, my first question that I really wanted to ask was, did you hit the new number? Uh, truthfully, yes. Yes, we did. Truthfully, yeah. And yeah, so then I, as a leader. I hate saying that. I hate saying that because it always feels like the fake story where Billy Graham parachuted into it. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, you know, like, but yes, we actually did. Yeah. Well, but, but so like that, that's the tenuous spot as a leader and a, and a pastor of a church, right? But You've got me, big dreams and yeah. then sometimes they don't, they don't hit them. What do you do when it feels like it rocks everyone else's faith and you're like, oh, it happens. I have hit, I have hit less dreams than I I have hit less dreams than I haven't hit. I have failed more times than I have succeeded. There is no question in that. Yeah, how do you keep however, perspective in that? However, I have never, I have never dreamt for the impossible mm. and prayed for the impossible and came up more shy of that goal than if I hadn't. And so for me, my job is faith. God's job is being faithful. My job, my job is to continue to trust him. His job is fruitfulness. And so for me, I have to live in my responsibility of the equation. I can't live, I can't deny my responsibility of the equation simply based on what God is or is not doing. My job is, my job is faithfulness. God's job is fruitfulness. And I cannot get those lines mixed up. My job is to pray big, bold prayers and believe that God will do it. His job is to choose whether or not that's his will to do. And I don't want to miss out on God's will in those one of that God's will in that moment where I start shrinking down and expecting a human response. Meaning, let's just say there's four things I'm dreaming for. There's four massive things I'm dreaming for. But yet because of my past, I don't believe, I don't pray, and I don't pursue any of them. Mm. Well, that's way worse than pursuing and believing and praying for all four and only seeing one. And I think far too many of us have quit on all of what God has for us because we haven't seen all of what we wanted to see from God. Oh, it's such an important reminder that we're not God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I would why. Make a real bad one. I, I don't know why I struggle with that so much. Always, always well, it's because I'm a control freak. That's why. But uh, <laughs> where do you sit on the plane? I like to sit on the window just in case we start crashing. I can fix things. Window and exit seat because I don't know if I trust anyone else to open the door. <laughs> <laughs> At least not right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, what what is God doing inside of you right now? You you've kind of birthed the book here, yeah. and you've got these. I mean, like, what is, how's God working inside of you? Yeah, he's teaching me to just, like, so So the funny thing about writing a book like this is I do believe that God's going to use it to inspire people within their marriages, within business, within addictions, within their, I do believe that God's going to use it. However, the funny thing about a book like this is this total insecurity that comes with it completely flopping and not doing any, not, not selling, not going out there. That's the complete insecurity of it. So I'm living within the tension while writing a book that tells everybody to, to dream big. I'm living in the tension of praying small prayers over the book, not wanting to be disappointed by it. Right. And so right now God's teaching me, if you're going to, if you're going to write a book on believing me for the impossible, 
well, then you better believe me for the impossible when it comes to this book. Because for me, I would rather set the expectation really low sure. so I don't have to deal with disappointment. Yet the book that we're talking about is about believing God for the impossible and not setting expectations low. And so it's this weird tension in my spirit, in my soul right now, where it's like, oh my goodness. Um, the whole idea of like, you're going to have to practice what it is you not preach, but what you wrote. Okay, so I, I know that my podcast family, there are some fierce prayer warriors out there. Come on. They come will on. want to pray with you and for you. So for the record, what come are on. your bold prayers around this book and how can we pray with you? Well, the vision that I've always, the, the vision I always get when I think about this book is uh, I think about, I'll show it to you too right now. It's just kind of exciting. Ooh, wow. it's so pretty. Yes, thank you. The vision I always get when I, uh, when, I, when I started writing this book was that mom or that dad, husband or wife, man or woman, um, sitting down at a kitchen table with their coffee and reading over the chapter on prayer or the Lego chapter or the mm. chapter on, 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 on predictable resistance and just tears coming down their cheek as they start to truly believe, like we talk about in the book, that Lazarus um, came back to life and that God can do the impossible. And so my first prayer would just be that this would find its way into the hands of people who have settled into living a life less than what's best. And that's really the hope for this book. As far as, as, far as numbers go, I don't even know what to expect or what to think. I just want as many people as possible to, to, to read it. Um, yeah, that, that's good. We, we can definitely pray for that. And I, I think, did you read any of the chapters? Oh yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, I did. Actually. I got one. I, I got one reader. You got one and it, it was, listen, I, you do such a good job of integrating scripture into this book as someone who loves scripture. Um, the, the combination of the story followed by the scripture followed by what felt like reasonable questions to then ask myself about how this looks in my life was really good. I, I just, I applaud you for that because it was, um, it was, it was really, and as a dad, we're in, uh, I've got two boys and a princess and, uh, and, and I, I thought to myself, man, this is, um, this is what I want for my, uh, this is what I want for my kids. Like, mm. it, it really is. And, it's an, I find it to be a, a aspirational in the sense of a good reminder, but also achievable that anyone can do this because God is just that big. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the images in the book, I talk about the story of, um, of Lazarus and I talk about, we're not going to get all into it right now, but I talk about how Jesus shows up eventually at the tomb at the gravesite. Right. And he tells the sisters to roll the stone. And um, if, if what I love about that moment is that Jesus didn't just roll the stone. He asked the sisters to roll the stone. And what, he's, what I believe he's teaching us in that moment is that if we want to see our dreams come true, we have to be willing to put our muscle behind our miracle. Mm. Like it's not, a, it's not enough to just stand there. You have to do something in order to see something. And then this next thing happens. It just fires me up. It, Lazarus comes out, right? And Jesus says, remove his grave clothes. And, and I, I, I just look at that moment and I think to myself, it wasn't enough for Jesus just to bring him back to life because it wasn't enough for Lazarus to just breathe. 
Jesus wanted him to shed the appearance of death. And for me, when I look at my life, when I look at so many others, really the inspiration behind this book is that the past has caused us to dress ourselves in grave clothes, dress ourselves in the hurts of yesterday, the unanswered prayers of yesterday, the broken dreams of yesterday. And my heart behind this book is, is hey, listen, you may know Jesus, and yeah, you're going to heaven, but God doesn't want you wearing grave clothes while you're here on earth. God wants us to shed the grave clothes, to live with life here on earth. Don't just go to heaven. Don't just get the, the ticket to heaven. Listen, Jesus says, yeah, I've rescued your soul. Yes, you're going to heaven, but hey, wait, 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 wait. Shed the appearance of death here on earth. Live with life here on earth. And, and so for me, we don't talk a lot about, I don't know if we talk at all about heaven in the book, but we do talk about, hey, shedding the grave clothes here on, on earth so that like we can live as if heaven is now. And that's a real passion behind the book. And I think that, that that's something I, I hope that readers will, will be able to do, start shedding those grave clothes. Come on, that'll preach every day of the week. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So uh, all of my listeners are going to want to go get the book immediately. Uh, where can they do that? How do they follow you? Uh, on your new Instagram handle, which is I don't even know. I mean, what's <laughs> we'll link to it. It's Joshua Gadman. Uh, we'll we'll, okay. we'll, link, we'll link to it in the show notes. I got your back. Don't worry. Don't I don't even back. know any of that stuff. I, <laughs> I only I only do it because because they people want me to. Uh, but but, uh, but, you, but you have a platform that's worth sharing. So don't, Pastor, don't Josh Pastor, Pastor Josh, Josh Gagnon. Pastor Josh Gagnon is Instagram. I've got a it's not overbook.com. Okay. Uh, it's not overbook.com and you can of course get it anywhere books are sold uh, any bookstore in the world and so we're excited about uh, what God's going to do and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to just celebrate and, and uh, go so back good. and forth with you and well so uh, the last question I always love to ask people let's do it um, is if you could go back to uh, to brand new pastor Josh right not even a hundred people in the church yet if you could go back to that moment in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you, what would you tell yourself? Mm, one piece of advice. Oof, one? You, one? It's just the most important. It could be a long one if you want. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind is, is you're going to expect things to happen way sooner than they're going to. Mm. But long-term consistency in the same direction will will result in fruit it would be the the one i would tell myself i'd say calm down there little guy calm down there young man <laughs> just just calm down you're going to vastly vastly expect a god god to do way more in the short term but he's going to do so much more than you could ever imagine in the long term and then i would keep telling myself that God's probably doing more in you right now than he's going to do. He's doing through you so that someday he can do more through you than you could ever imagine. Wow. That's good. That's really good. I like that. Probably uh, those couple of things. And I'd say just calm down and take a nap. Whew. <laughs> yeah, that'll preach too. <laughs> uh, okay. Mostly because I'm nosy. Uh, can you yeah. give us any insight to what the second book's going to be in this, in this two book deal? Oh, I got, I can't, I've got like three, uh, we've got, we have to see, we have to see how, what, what happens with this book and, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. I've got three different ideas, three different, three different things I'm thinking on and, and, uh, but we haven't settled on anything yet. That's awesome. Good. Well, I, it'd be a lot of fun. It, it is my hope and prayer that this book, uh, does so much for so many and helps them, uh, step out in faith and, 
and kind of bring those dead dreams back to life. Amen. Uh, I, I just found that message to resonate with me and I know it'll, it'll message, it'll resonate with so many. So thank you for the time today. Thank you for, uh, to, to carving out a little time to chat with us. I really do appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks a lot, Tim. Hey everybody. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. I know that you loved this conversation with pastor Josh as much as I did go buy his book, follow him on all the social media channels. You don't want to miss what this anointed and gifted leader has to give you. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. You know, we're, we're rolling right into the next season of the podcast. It's been so much fun to be on this journey with you. I'd love to hear your feedback on today's episode uh, at TW Milt and uh, on the Reclamation Podcast Facebook page with Tony Miltenberger. Thank you guys so much. And remember, keep uh, leaning into those good practices for faith and life.